Welcome back to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley. Thanks so much for tuning in. Politically, there is a lot going on in the state of Michigan, especially when you talk about our elections and when we vote. We need to learn a little bit more about this. Jordan Hermony is with MLive.com, and she's been covering a multitude of stories. Jordan, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. Tell us a little bit about your background. I am a politics and culture reporter for MLive. I've been with the company for about a year now, but before that, really cut my teeth at Gong War News. So I've been reporting on Lansing politics since pre-COVID, and yeah, there's no shortage of it, huh? Jordan, what's your take on the media and our news coverage, especially politics here in the state of Michigan? Well, I feel like the Michigan media, the individuals I've worked with at least, have done, frankly, a stand-up job at working to you know, separate fact from fiction, especially recently in the aftermath of the 2020 election, Michigan has played a starring role in a lot of what's been going on politically. And, you know, we just have some top-notch journalists who are pretty devoted to not only getting to the bottom of it, but getting to the truth of it and making sure that it's, you know, very easy for the average person who doesn't spend hours a day thinking through this to understand. What do you think we can do to be better? To be better, I mean, I think it's just to be more transparent. Frankly, I know that we work to do that a lot, just we as journalists to be as transparent and open as possible about where we're getting documents from, where we're, you know, looking to source information from. And I think just being as upfront with, hey, you know, this is what we're writing about. I know that you might be seeing from different news sources. This is a thing. But, you know, I guess just trying to be as transparent as possible. Jordan, uh, tell me about when you're outsourcing, when you're digging for information, how open and honest do you think are politicians and other people you need information from? How forthcoming are they? How much can you trust the information they give? Well, you know, everybody has their own angle, right? And I guess that is the point of being a journalist is to make sure that the angle that somebody is giving, be they politician, be they layperson, just to vet that information. I mean, I think there's an old journalism adage that goes, if your mother tells you that she loves you, check it twice. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, I guess that does get to the point of it. It's everybody has a point to make, a story to tell, and it's up to us to double check that fact. Well, it appears that the Michigan Republican Party is in complete disarray. I was at their convention this past winter, and there was no community. There was infighting. It was really something to witness. And then when you look at to where we are now with the infighting there is and with the lack of funding that they have, they're a mess as we get ready to get into some serious election seasons. Yeah, I mean, the Republican Party is somewhere, personally, I've never seen it be before. Frankly, I know I am newer to the Michigan political scene, but I think any veteran journalist will more or less tell you the same thing, that we're in a bit of uncharted territory right now. Well, let's talk a little bit about your story. It was titled, No Charges for Six of Nine, Michigan in Investigation. The prosecutor, you know, just found out what? So backing up at the start of 2020, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson made Attorney General Dana Nessel and the Michigan State Police aware of, hey, there was a third party group of people looking to gain access to tabulators and potentially do tests on them. So we think that there should be an investigation here because people who can have access to tabulators, as far as I'm aware, are clerks and election workers. And that's about it. So third parties should not be involved there. So the investigation itself involves five tabulators that were seized from rural counties, brought to an Airbnb 
in Oakland County and taken apart, tampered with, looked at by a group of individuals, three of whom have been charged by Muskegon County Prosecutor DJ Hilson. He's the special prosecutor overseeing this case because one of the individuals charged is former Attorney General candidate Matt DiPerno, who ran in 2020 against Nestle. So Nestle had to recuse herself from that probe. Another two individuals, the other two individuals, former Republican State Rep. Dare Rendon and Attorney Stephanie Lambert Gentilla. I hope I'm saying her last name right. But yeah, those three individuals the state has officially named as being charged formally for their role in the probe. Nine individuals overall were initially named, but these three, it was determined the state has good information to believe that they knew what they were doing was wrong when allegedly taking these voting machines, tampering with them, running tests on them in an effort to see if there was any way that President Trump could have won Michigan over now President Joe Biden. As we know, Joe Biden won Michigan by over 54,000 votes. So right now we're just sort of in the preliminary stages of going forward in this investigation. No more charges are coming, but we are anticipating a long potential court battle when it comes to these three individuals and what they're charged with. When we come back from the break, I want to talk a little bit more about that specifically, how in the world they gain access to that equipment. We'll do that next. I'm Tony Connolly, and this is the Michigan Business Network Media Business. Now hiring? Capital Area Michigan Works can assist you with your hiring needs, all at no cost. From large-scale hiring assistance to locating the right candidate for a hard-to-fill position, Capital Area Michigan Works is your resource. We offer creative solutions from career fairs to on-the-job training grants and scholarship programs to make sure you have the best and brightest employees. Visit our website at www.camw.org to learn more about how we can assist your business with its hiring needs. Welcome back to Media Business. I'm Tony Connolly. This is the Michigan Business Network. We're talking with M Lives. Jordan Hermani rhymes with Germany. We got to get Hermany in there. But Jordan, we appreciate you being here. How did these folks get access to those voting machines? Well, what we know so far from the probe and what Dana Nessel alleged when seeking a special prosecutor was that these individuals effectively, allegedly, sort of pressured clerks into saying, hey, we need to see it. In the case of Dare Rendon, for instance, I believe it was the Roscommon County clerk where she you know, said, hey, we need to maybe take a look at these voting machines. We're potentially doing an investigation in the legislature. And yeah, we need to see your stuff. And when it comes to the other individuals who either ran tests on these voting machines or, for instance, clerks who may or may not have supplied them. Prosecutors say that they really didn't have any idea that what they were doing was potentially wrong in supplying these voting machines or giving individuals access to the machines. And, you know, that's how they got a hold of them, took them to the Airbnb in Oakland County, and the rest is history. Well, I know there was a lot of discussion about how there was a lack of both sides, Republicans and Democrats, at the voting polls, at the booths, to make sure everything was kind of above board. What I find interesting is that the same thing wouldn't have been done here. Get out in an open space with all sides and kind of figure out what was going on. 
You mean what was going on with... Well, just checking out those machines. It would seem like you would need Republicans there, Democrats there, county clerk folks there, and whoever else, maybe folks who built and maintain those machines. Well, when it comes to looking at these machines, I mean, as far as state law is concerned, it's pretty clear there's only a select number of individuals who have access to these machines. So whether or not individuals feel like there should have been, you know, third-party investigation, the state's completed over 250 plus audits of the 2020 election. There has been very, very scant cases of fraud found, nowhere near an enough amount of fraud to have any way swayed the election in favor of Trump in Michigan. And you've even seen in 2020, in the immediate aftermath of the election, we even had Republicans coming out and saying, hey, listen, there was not enough fraud to change the aftermath of the election. We had a Senate led report that indicated there has not been enough fraud. So, I mean, I don't know if necessarily, you know, saying that this should have been done in public changes anything. The state has done audits and has confirmed Biden won Michigan. Isn't it interesting, too, how we're in 2023 (laughs) and some folks just won't let that go? Yeah. And I mean, I think that goes back to your point earlier about the Republican Party being in disarray. There were, you know, lifelong Republicans saying in the aftermath of the 2020 election that one of the big things that we have to do is move forward and not try and relitigate the past if we hope to make gains in 2022. Well, election denialism took more or less center stage when it came to your big state races, like for secretary of state, attorney general, governor. And look what happened. Now we have a Democratic trifecta for the first time in 40 years. Another interesting story that you authored was titled How Michigan Played a Role in Trump's 2020 Election Indictment. It's it's funny, we were just talking about in 2016 how Michigan really had some great support for Donald Trump, and now the state could be part of his downfall. Talk a little bit about that story. Michigan is one of the states where, if you'll remember, Trump focused his efforts or, you know, individuals acting on behalf of Trump focused efforts to attempt to overturn what were otherwise legitimate election results. In Michigan, specifically in the days following the 2020 election, if you recall, we saw Trump on social media claim that there was a massive dump of ballots in Detroit. We now know that those were absentee ballots being delivered to TCF Center to be counted in the city of Detroit. You know, so we saw that play out. We, if you remember, the House Speaker at the time and the Senate Majority Leader at the time, they were called to the Oval Office to meet personally with Trump. At that time, Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky indicated to Trump, hey, if you lost Michigan, it is not because of fraud. It maybe is because of the way that your message resonated with voters. And they were, you know, pretty firm in saying, no, there is no indication that there was enough fraud to sway the election in your favor. What we learned, though, from the recent indictment of former President Trump is that there were also efforts behind the scenes to pressure Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky and then House Speaker Lee Chatfield via text message to more or less say, hey, we have to put our electors, we can't say that these are the right electors, we need to maybe wait a minute. If you remember, there was the case of the false electors, which is another set of charges that has come out recently in Michigan of 16 individuals who claimed that they were the proper electors for Michigan signed legal documentation and everything saying that their votes, which would have gone to Trump, were the you know rightful electors. And that case is playing out on its own right now. But yeah, Michigan was a part of that effort. Thankfully, we did have elected officials and you know our clerks point out, no, if that fraud did occur, it was not to the level that it would have changed anything. And you know now it's sort of where we're at in history. It's our spot as part of this indictment. 
Jordan Harmony is with M Live. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about okay, what's going to happen now? We're in the dog days of August as we head into fall. What can we expect with these stories and politically here in our state? I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Looking for high-quality office furniture on a budget? Stop by the office outlet at 516 North Larch in downtown Lansing for huge savings. We've got new and used office furniture from brand-name manufacturers, all at discounted prices. Browse through 5,000 square feet and save on seating, desks, files, storage, and more. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. The office furniture outlet is your destination for office furniture on a budget. Visit us online at officeoutletyes.com. To media business, we're talking with Jordan Hermony, and we're talking politics. So as we get into fall, we're a little bit more than a year away from the elections in 2024. What's on the horizon? What are you going to be covering? Anything new with these stories that you're following? Well, with respect to the voting machine tabulator probe, given that it's now playing out in court, we're sort of at the behest of the speed of the court. So what's going to go on there right now, at least all three individuals have said that's, again, Matthew DiPerno, former state rep, Dare Rendon, attorney Stephanie Lambert-Gentilla. They've all claimed that these charges are ridiculous against them. They do plan on fighting them. I know in the case of Lambert-Gentilla, she's actually considering suing Muskegon County Prosecutor D.J. Hilson for what her attorney calls malicious prosecution, I believe was what it was. So we're just going to have to wait and see how that plays out. Insofar as what we're covering, you know, it is a competitive Republican presidential primary. We have a number of individuals who have thrown their hat in the ring, including former President Donald Trump. He has already started to use these indictments against him and saying, hey, I believe the line that he has continued to repeat is these indictments, they're not coming after me. I'm the poster child for this. They're actually coming after you and what you believe about election fraud or you as my supporters. So he's really working that angle to try and get himself more of a fervent support. So, you know, we're just going to have to keep our eye on this as this moves forward. And, you know, as Republican candidates continue to parachute on into our purple state. What I find interesting about what's going on politically, we'll go back to the Republican Party. They've got about nine grand in the bank. I recently read how the Democrats have more than $20 million in the bank. They just seem to be so much more organized, whether it's grassroots or in the statewide in their organization. The Republicans have a long, long way to go, don't they? Yeah, well, it's interesting kind of looking at the party as a whole. It's almost seemed to have siloed itself off into different little factions. So you have your individuals who do, you know, might be a grassroots Republican or a grassroots identifying Republican who sort of sway to what Matt DiPerno or now Michigan Republican Party Chair Christina Caramo, what they're kind of espousing, which again, in the case of Caramo, has been noted as potentially an election denier. But then you also have your more, what are being deemed as rhinos, your Rick Snyder, former Republican governor, who's trying to go out now and campaign for specific sex of Republicans. They're sort of working 
parallel to each other towards a similar goal, but refusing to touch each other. You have, you know, your standard day-to-day -day Republicans who maybe don't even think about politics whatsoever, only when there's an election who might be confused as to, hey, why is there so much infighting here? And that is really going to be the needle that they have to thread here in 2024, right? Otherwise, we're going to be looking at 2022 all over again, at least with respect to Michigan, where sure, you can coalesce behind candidates, but when it comes to getting feet to the ballot boxes, and this goes for Democrats as well, the more extreme of a candidate you run, the more you're going to alienate that middle sort of undecided voter. And not meaning to pick on the Republicans, but it's mind-blowing to kind of stand back and watch as a journalist how they won't come together, how winning isn't the most important thing and how they can't let go of the election results of 2020 and start thinking about the future. There are enough Republicans in the party who do want to move past that, who do want to say, hey, this is not us. We do not need to be relitigating 2020. We need to start, like you said, focusing on 24, 26 in the state. God forbid the, the following presidential election. I mean, insofar as benches worth of candidates, I mean, you look at, for instance, our U.S. Senate race right now. Who are the Republicans really running against what is believed to be, I guess, the top-notch candidate for Dems, current U.S. Rep. Alyssa Slotkin? I mean, there isn't really even a competitive individual who's thrown their name in the race right now, and that should have been done months ago. So, you know, there are sects of the party that want to win, that want to move forward, but unfortunately, I don't necessarily know if they're driving the party vehicle. Well, I know there have been conversations where uh, former Congressman Mike Rogers is considering that run, and that would be an interesting opponent for Alyssa Slotkin. Uh, he's well known. He's got some dough. He's got a lot of great experience as a former military man, FBI guy. Have you heard more about that? Yeah, I mean, I know that he's interested in throwing his name in the ring. This comes after he was weighing a potential run for president, but I think he realized the U.S. Senate in Michigan's a little more attainable for him right now. But to your point about him having a mass of great qualifications, which, you know, he does, interesting to you to point out, though, his FBI background. I mean, the FBI has been a huge sticking point for sort of these grassroots conservatives who claim, hey, if, you know, the likes of Rick Snyder is a rhino, then you bet that they would more than likely, given his background, consider Mike Rogers a rhino as well. So, so, I mean, how he is going to be tasked as a candidate once he throws his name into the ring, if he does, when he does, <laughs> he's going to be tasked again with sort of weaving in between being able to court these swaths of Republican voters who are, you know, they're not going to go for the Democrat versus your middle of the road voters who could be swayed for Slotkin, could be swayed for Rogers. I mean, that's going to be a tricky tightrope for candidates moving forward to walk. Final question for you. Talking about Mike Rogers, he was interviewed for the FBI director position by Donald Trump. Didn't get the gig. It makes you wonder what would have happened if he would have been the main guy. I mean, I guess that's just something we can only speculate on. I don't want to put any sort of thought into what could have been, would have been, because it's already so crazy enough right now as it is. So, <laughs> But these political times are pretty cool. As I was researching some of the stories you've written, there's a lot of good, juicy stuff going on, isn't there? There is no shortage of news nowadays. So... I guess a little plug then, keep supporting your local newspapers if you do enjoy the work that we're doing. Your subscriptions, your readership matters, and it enables us to continue doing things like this. Jordan Hermony is the fine writer for MLive.com. You can uh, follow her there. appreciate you. I learned so much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. This is Media Business. I'm Tony Connolly, and this is the Michigan Business Network.